This is your Tuesday Daily Delivery. I am Michael Rand. Hope everyone's having a great day today. Lots of stuff to get to on this show. Um, Pam Borton, Gophers women's basketball coach from a few years back and for several years, will be with me in just a little while to talk about her new book, The Crooked Rim, and to talk about the uh, the days of her coaching the Gophers. I'll get into some Vikings stuff as I have talked about plenty this week already and last week as well because that is the big talker in town right now as they continue to interview candidates for their vacant general manager and head coach position. Just kind of looking at you know getting this hire right and what it will mean for their franchise because they're kind of at a, a little bit of a tipping point right now. It could go either way, and if they make – you know, the wrong, quote-unquote, the wrong hires right now, and who knows what that would be, and who knows if the hires would even be the thing that would be the wrong thing specifically. But if they don't get this right, they could be heading into one of the worst stretches in franchise history if we just look at making the playoffs and things like that. But first, what did I miss? This is a Wild and Kirill Kaprizov appreciation segment yeah, they uh, they lost 4-3 in a shootout Monday night, but Kirill Kaprizov, two goals, tying goals in both cases, both in the third period, one with the extra attacker. Wild, by the way, speaking of appreciation, Wild has 12 goals this season in six-on-five situations. Now, I don't know if that's sustainable. I don't know if exactly how you want to win, but when you've scored 12 goals with the extra attacker, that means that is a pretty nice weapon to have, you know, if you're down a goal late. And again, that's how they tied it against Colorado. Pulled the goalie pretty early, got that equalizer with about three and a half minutes left. Kaprizov on a rebound after having scored on a one-timer earlier in the period. Now, Kaprizov, I, don't, I want to say he got off to a slow start this year, but people were kind of like, okay, when, when are the goals going to come? Well, all of a sudden, he's got 16 goals now. He's got 44 points in just 34 games played. Those 44 points, good for ninth in the NHL. What's wild to me is that he only has eight points on the power play. And, you know, Wild's power play has kind of been hit or miss, a lot of miss this season. But, you know, guys like Connor McDavid, Leon Dreisaitl with Edmonton, they have 22 power play points apiece. If, if if the Wild could get that clicking, if they could get Kaprizov going on the power play, he would be even higher in these rankings. But for now, 16 goals, 28 assists on the season, really carrying this team in stretches. And you know, no surprise, but you know, we came into the season kind of wondering, you know, how, what would he do for an encore this season? How could he follow up last year's you know, brilliant rookie season. What would it look like going against different teams? You know, he played all one division last year. He is answering all of those questions and more. He certainly is the player we thought he was last season. And that's just, you know, it's more validation. It's not surprising, but that certainly is good news as the Wild considers its future, as is the play lately of Capo Kakinen, because with Cam Talbot out lately, this was a pretty critical stretch for the Wild, and they have come through it in pretty good shape in large part because of Kapokakinen, their second-year goalie. He had 35 saves in that win over Colorado, and that, I'm sorry, in that shootout loss against Colorado, but got them to the finish line, got them at least a point in that game. So, 
you know, again, the Wild had that little blip a little while ago. Sarah McClellan and I talked about it, that lull where they hadn't played a whole lot. And in you know, when they did play, they were losing. They're starting to get a little bit more of that rhythm back, getting a little bit more of that mojo back from the beginning of the season. And it is showing up for them, you know, even though that was a shootout loss Monday. This is, again, looking like a team that could be competitive down the stretch. Take a playcation to Mystic Lake for 24-7 gaming, fun restaurants and bars, and luxurious hotel rooms. And join Club M to bask in the rewards. Follow the lights to Mystic Lake, where every day is play day. Really happy to be joined today on Daily Delivery by Pam Borton, former Gophers women's basketball coach, but a lot more than that, as we'll get into here in just a little bit. Pam, how are you doing? I'm doing great. It's good to see you, Michael. It is good to see you too. We go way back. I covered the team in the mid 2000s, um, kind of the uh, what we might refer to, you know, for now as the glory days of the program. You know, you went to the Final Four, you went to a couple of Sweet 16s in there. Um, success that we can't take for granted, even as uh, you know, even as we hope that the program re- rekindles some of that uh, glory in um, in years to come. But good to see you, Pam, and. Uh, Congrats. Let's let's jump right into new book you have out. Um, it's either out right now or coming out very soon. The, the Crooked Rim, Master Your Mindset to Strengthen Your Resilience for Limitless Personal and Professional Excellence. Maybe we could just call it The Crooked Rim because that's a lot. The subtitle <laughs> is a lot, but tell me more about that book. Oh, it was, it was a labor of love for sure. Um, you know, it's my second book. And after my first book, everyone was like, Pam, when are you going to write your second book? When are you going to write your second book? And I said, never, I don't have time. My business has exploded and I'm on traveling all the time. And then COVID hit and sent everybody home. And after I got a few months into, you know, getting to be home, I'm not going to say stuck at home. I'm looking at it as a positive thing. Um, I gave myself, I said, I have no more excuses anymore, not to write a second book. I have the time I'm home. Um, I still am meeting with clients by zoom, but I'm not spending all those hours on an airplane. And I set myself a deadline of, of course I'm goal oriented. And, um, I started writing my book in, in the month of July when we first started getting into the pandemic and I just didn't stop until it was done. So um, I, I felt like it was around, you know, what everyone needed a huge dose of at the time was resilience and how to strengthen and develop um, resilience and then take it to another level on mental toughness. So it was the perfect time to write on that topic and theme. How does the, the theme of resilience, how does that play it out in, in your life or your professional life? Well, and I talk about it throughout my book, and that's why it's called The Crooked Rim, because it started on... It started at my family's, you know, big red barn. Um, I started shooting hoops at a mangled crooked rim. And obviously I missed more than I made. And it took a developing my mindset on just like not giving up and keeping, you know, keep trying and so forth. And then you fast forward, you know, a few decades and now I'm in the barn. I'm not shooting up against the barn, but now I'm coaching in the barn and I had to master my mindset and my resilience and also my mental toughness between those four lines. And then I talk about my transition from coaching and sports to to the business world and, um, and then how my career now has trans has transformed, but I share in the book, um, you know, really life lessons, 
Um, also lessons on the court, lessons from my clients on resilience. And then um, there's tools and strategies on how all of us can really master our mindset and rewire our minds in order to, you know, con continue developing and strengthening that muscle. Yeah. I think resilience is a, I mean, it's a key thing in life at any moment, but definitely in the last couple of years, as we're trying to kind of constantly navigate different things thrown our way, definitely a good message. Maybe we can back up a little bit too. just your transition from coaching, you know, coaching the Gophers, which was a, a little over a decade ago into the, like you said, the corporate world where you're now essentially coaching in a different way, right? Oh, absolutely. And it, and it actually has been less than a decade. So it's That's been right. about seven years. My That's goodness, right. it feels like it's been two decades, oh, Michael. Sorry. Yes, like it does. Of, there's been so many changes in college sports since I've left, but, you know, it's really all the same thing. You know, I'm coaching leadership teams and executive teams. I'm coaching culture. I'm coaching high performers that want to get to the next level. And that's what I did coaching, you know, coaching individuals, coaching teams, building culture, culture where people want to come and people want to stay and where people can really thrive. And I'm doing the same thing with my clients, but not, not with a basketball this time. Yeah, that sounds like it does certainly translate to, uh, to, to that world. Um, get, maybe going back to the Gophers days just a little bit as you kind of, you know, now, like you said, there's been some separation between that and what you're, what you're doing now. What, what did you take away from that whole experience? Just the, the, the journey from beginning to end, what were you most proud of? Maybe what was, you know, something that you took with you into your kind of this next stage of your life and say, I want to do this differently, or I want, I learned this lesson. Oh, Michael, there was so many, I mean, there are so many lessons um, of my own growth and my own um, growth and development as a coach. When I first started coaching to my mid thirties, to getting into the big 10 and then throughout my 12 years at Minnesota, you know, I look back and how much growth and development that I did as a coach and then, so, I mean, I really look at that and that, that is what really helps me apply those skills and that mindset and being, you know, open, being able to take the blinders off and looking at things differently. You know, that is, that has really helped me connect and really help my own clients transform as my own experience and my own growth, sitting in that hot seat and the pressure and the stress and the fast paced environment and, all eyes were on me and, you know, the performance and results and, you know, my clients can completely align with, um, you know, that type of feeling and those types of expectations. How much do you still, you know, watch college basketball, women's or men's? How much do you still pay attention to the Gophers? Well, I, I, as much as they're on television, I watch them. You know, I've, I've been to one game this year um, for the women. When I was in town, I live on the East Coast now, so I'm not able to get to a lot of the games. And so when I'm in town and there's a home game on the schedule, I'll try to get to one. There's not a lot of games on TV right now, but I, you know, I think the more that I've been out of the game, I'm watching it more. I needed to take a break for, I would say, a couple of years. I really didn't watch a lot of basketball, um, but now I'm just – um, I love watching well-coached teams. Um, and yeah, so as, as much as they're on TV, I, I, I can watch them. Speaking of 
coaches, I, people who are listening to this can't see this, but in your in the background of the Zoom call we're on right now, I see Lindsay Whalen arms outstretched. I believe that is the the key photo from the the, the trip to the Final Four. She is uh, no secret. She is the head coach of the Gophers now, and you know transitioning into that role from being, you know, such a, an illustrious playing career. She's up for the basketball hall of fame this year, which is a huge honor. Um, you know, as you've watched anything from that transition from a distance, what, what's come to mind for you as you, you've watched her become a head coach? Well, it's, you know, it's been a transition. I mean, when you go from uh, being a decorated player of 15 years playing in the pros and everything that she's been able to accomplish just being able to apply that as a now as a coach on the sidelines is very, very different. And I think Lindsay, just from watching her from afar, has learned a ton about herself, um, has learned. I'm sure she's still learning um, about her, you know, what her own approach and style looks like, um, you know, how to coach and when to call timeouts and how to recruit and how to relate to players, especially when players aren't as driven um, and, and as talented as Lindsay, you know, that's when it becomes difficult when, you know, you yourself and I was I wasn't as good as Lindsay, but I was I'm wired the same way, the same DNA when you have, you know, a, an entire team around you that is not made up that way. And so, you know, that's tougher to coach and being able to um, find that rhythm and find that momentum and find those buttons to push. Um, I'm sure she's still learning. I mean, it's a lifelong journey. Um being a coach at that level for sure. And she was obviously, you know, a key, a key player understates what she meant to the program. But when, when you took over that job, um, you know, they had had, uh, they'd made an NCAA tournament appearance and were on a little, you know, starting to come onto the upswing and then Brenda leaves for the Maryland job. How did you, how do you win players over? How do you kind of, you know, establish what you want to do while also recognizing that, you're coming into a situation where they've had a little bit of success so far. So when you come into that job, how do you kind of approach how you want to, you know, make your mark, but also fit in with, with their culture too? Yeah, it's, you know, that's a great question, Michael. And that's something that I help my leaders and my clients today with it's, you know, relationships are so important. That is number one. And, you know, when I first came in and I knew what they had just gone through, Brenda was at Minnesota for nine months the kids loved her. They loved the style. Um, and I had to build relationships. I had to build trust. I had to build relationships. And really for them to get to know me as a person before even a coach um, was, was the first thing that I did. And it was the best thing that I did. I went to Lindsay's house. I went to all the players' homes, met their parents, took their goats for a walk, you know, petted their cows, you know, whatever it was. And, you know, and then it was, you know, I had, I built a completely different culture than what they were in. And that's when it became difficult was we had to change some of the culture in the program. And that's where we all butted heads for about eight months until the very end of the season, when things came together, when we played Tulane, um, we played, um, you know, Stanford on the road, beat them, you know, on the road after they had won 27 games at home. And I think at that moment, at the end of the season, you know, I'm like, okay, they, they got it. They figured it out. And, but it took time and it was a journey and it was, it was really tough, but it was in the long run, it was, it all paid off. 
you talked about petting goats. That must have been Janelle, right? Or was that somebody else that had goats? <laughs> oh, that was Janelle. She had chickens and goats and you name it. She had those on the farm. She remains one of my all-time favorite athletes to cover, just an all-time character um, and obviously a great basketball player as well. Um, Pam, enjoying this conversation. A couple more things for you. I mean, obviously, congrats on publishing this book. Now, you say you you said you wouldn't do another one. Do you have a third <laughs> one in you? Do you have other ideas? What what's uh, do you have another another chapter uh, in your life? I guess beyond what what you're currently doing right now. You know, I really do think I do, and I and I think I do have another book in me. Um, you know, I don't think it's going to be for a while because you know writing a book takes so much energy and, and takes so much focus and discipline and doing one thing for, you know, a really long time. And I'm used to doing about 50 things at once. So, um, I think there is another one in me, but it, it will be around, you know, leadership development and being that thought leader in the space. And, um, you know, I've learned to not, to never say never that I will never write a second book. So I'm going to leave the door open to write a third book, Michael. Well, that uh, that sounds good. The Crooked Rim is the short title. Um, I'm sure you can find it wherever finer books are sold. Any any place you prefer people to find it or just anywhere they can find it? Well, it's Michael, it's on Amazon now. So they okay. can buy a hardcover. They can buy a soft cover. I did an audio book as well. So people can buy the audio book. They can also go to my website and I will autograph it for them personalize it. And that is Pam or that is on point next level.com. That sounds very good. Pam, congrats again. Good catching up with you. And let's, uh, let's do this again sometime. Sounds good. Thank you, Michael. Really good catching up with Pam Borton and re- important to remember too, what this program was before, you know, Brenda Oldfield freeze came here for that season. And then Pam Borton was here for more than a decade, the, the, the late ni- mid to late 90s and early 2000s, uh, the end of the Linda Hill McDonald coaching era and the, be- and the entirety of the Cheryl Littlejohn coaching era, the Gophers women's basketball team was by far one of the worst teams in the Big Ten. Linda Hill McDonald's last two seasons as coach, they were a combined 1-31 and 31 in the Big Ten. I remember one of those years quite well. I was covering that team for the Minnesota Daily when they went 4-23 and overall and 0-16 and in the Big Ten. The Cheryl Littlejohn era, they go 7-57 and in the Big Ten. So six years combined where they go 8-88 and in the Big Ten. Brenda Oldfield takes over immediately turns them around with a young Lindsey Whalen and a young Janelle McCarvel. They go 11-5, and five, get to the second round of the NCAA tournament. She leaves after, like Pam said, nine months, goes to Maryland. Pam comes in, four straight NCAA tournament appearances, including um, a Sweet 16, a Final Four, then another Sweet 16, gets them to the NIT the following year, and then two more NCAA tournament appearances before things take a downturn under her tenure so almost all of the success in Gophers women's basketball era including all three times they've made it to at least the Sweet 16 were with Pam Borton and of course with Lindsey Whalen as a player and now Lindsey Whalen as a coach trying to turn this thing around and we'll probably talk more about that as this week goes on. Speaking of a team that has the potential to take a downturn, just kind of looking at Vikings history right now. And, you know, I think 
almost all of us agree, came to a conclusion that this the Mike Zimmer era needed to be done. It had kind of run its course. They had missed the playoffs three of the last four seasons, and now that it's easier to make the playoffs with the additional wild card, um, you know, just coming up short in that category is uh, is not acceptable. The Rick Spielman era needed to end as well, but we should remember that the Mike Zimmer era, while it maybe fell short of ultimate goals of reaching the Super Bowl, winning the Super Bowl, was a credible era. They have not missed the playoffs in more than two consecutive seasons for you know for quite some time, and a lot of that was in the Zimmer era. They won, they made it to the playoffs three times, won two division titles, and then, you know, basically for a lot of the last you know thirty years, the Vikings haven't been terrible. You know they they've had some stretches where they were had some lulls. If you think about you know right after the Dennis Green era, they they had a stretch where they only made the playoffs once in seven years but even most of those years under Mike Tice they were competitive they were in the playoff mix they weren't losing a huge amount of games and then you had the end of the Brad Childress era where you know they go six and ten and then three and thirteen in Leslie Frazier's first year but then have that ten and six year out of nowhere in 2012 and then back down to five ten and one in 2013 which ushers in the Mike Zimmer era but I guess my point here is Vikings have missed the playoffs two years in a row now. They have a sticky salary cap situation. They have a quarterback situation that, you know, while isn't the worst thing in the world, is going to require a delicate touch this offseason, whether they decide that Kirk Cousins is their guy and they want to extend him again and give somebody else a chance to win with him, or if they decide they're going to rebuild, try to trade him and have, you know, some sort of short to medium-term solution until they can try to find their quarterback of the future. Um, Defense getting older, ranked 24th in points this season, ranked 29th in points last season. Those were the two worst marks in almost a decade, kind of taking us back to those Leslie Frazier defenses where the cupboard was certainly bare after they kind of had went all in in the Brad Childress era. So, we're at a, a kind of a pivot point here in in the Vikings history where if this if this goes bad in the next few years this could be one of the worst stretches that they've had at least since they were an expansion team back in the 60s before they had really you know arrived and become the the team that was going to go to four super bowls in that 8 year span um you know because they've missed the playoffs two years in a row there's no guarantee that this is going to get better before it gets worse what if you know what if they make a hire here and it doesn't turn out to be the right thing and they have a couple of seasons that are six and eleven you know five and twelve even seven and ten if they string together four or five seasons without making the playoffs that would be something you have to go back to the 80s since they had missed the playoffs four years in a row and you'd have to go back you know, to the 60s, like I said, to find a stretch of longer than four years. So for as frustrating as the Vikings have been throughout their history, for as much as the fan base likes to think of itself as tortured and everything like that, um, you know, it's generally been competitive here. They've had some lulls, but the lulls have tended not to be all that bad. They don't bottom out for long. Um, but if they if they make the right hire everything's going to be fine. If uh, Right hire at GM, right hire at coach. They figure this out and maybe kind of have a quicker turnaround, kind of like the Wild, you know, which was able to 
transition from one era to another without you know really bottoming out if they're able to do that and kind of thread that needle find you know find that sweet spot then everything's gonna be all right but if they don't this could be the start of something you know something that would rival the worst eras in franchise history so i just want you to think about that as they make these hires inevitably in the next few weeks as we see the direction they are charting for 2022 and beyond Let's finish with the cooler. Speaking of Kirk Cousins, the Vikings, the playoffs. Um, Los Angeles Rams won a playoff game. Matthew Stafford won his first playoff game on Monday night. Beat um, the tumbling Cardinals 34-11. to What a free fall for Arizona this season after an incredible start that did include that kind of fortunate victory over the Vikings when Greg Joseph missed that 37-yard field goal at the end of regulation that would have given Minnesota the win. But the Rams finished the season 12-5, and win this playoff game. Kind of goes to show what a difference a quarterback can make. Rams go all-in, trade Jared Goff, bunch of draft picks for Matthew Stafford. And that is one of the reasons I think that Kirk Cousins certainly has trade value this offseason. You see the difference competent quarterback play can make for a team that is otherwise loaded on its roster. So think about that as you think about this offseason. If you're like, oh, Kirk Cousins, no way. His cap number's way up there. He hasn't proven that he's a winner in Washington or in Minnesota. You put him it, either you <laughs> – here's the thing. You either put him in the right situation or you convince a team – that putting him in the right situation will give you a chance to compete for a Super Bowl. And I know we've, we've seen this record play out in Minnesota. It didn't work with him here. But I still think there's an opportunity to convince another team that Kirk Cousins could be that guy that steps in and takes you from 8 to 10 wins, takes you from 9 to 11 wins, takes you from 10 to 12 wins because his quarterback play, when it is on and you give him the right supporting cast, could be that good now it's also perhaps a reason to keep him here in minnesota but i think it is a more compelling reason to try to find the right match this offseason and trade him while his value is relatively high that will do it for today thank you so much for joining daily delivery back at it on wednesday and the rest of the week should have plenty of good stuff I think i'm going to talk to capo kakinen wild goalie later this week so look forward to that i'm michael rand enjoy the rest of your tuesday be back at it on wednesday